Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. We're continuing uh, through this little epistle of Paul's, continuing uh, to look at what Paul has for the Christian household. Colossians 3, if I could turn there, verses 20 through 21. Hear now God's holy, blameless, inerrant, infallible, sufficient word. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. The law of your mouth is better to me. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I think... The McCullough children took my warning this morning. I, I let them know what the text was going to be on. And so I see you guys went and hid from me this afternoon, but that, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I'm sure you already hear this enough from your dad. Um, this evening we are in Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Um, we've been for a while now going through Paul's instructions to the Christian family, as it were. We, we spent some time looking on sanctification and, and mortification in, in general. And then Paul has focused his sights in looking at the different dynamics of the Christian household. What, what it is, what it looks like for Christians to live out that sanctification in real life. And, and what, how, how more real can we get than within the household? And so God's word has already addressed in verse 18 the submissive wife. We looked at the loving husband in verse 19, and now this evening in verses 21, 20 through 21, and in the companion passage in Ephesians 6, we're going to observe what is God's design for the relationship between Christian children and parents. What does sanctification look like lived out between children and parents in a truly Christian household? Let's pray one more time for God's blessing, and then we'll dig into his word. Father, you are good and gracious and merciful to us. And Lord, we ask that you would extend a bit of that grace now as we come to hear your word preached, as we come to study it. Father, we pray that you would grant us wisdom, insight, and understanding to know your word, to believe your word, to trust your word, and most importantly, Father, to obey your word so that Christ would receive the glory and that his kingdom would be furthered. We pray it in his name. Amen. And so, what does that relationship look like? What does that sanctification look like in the household between Christian parents and children? Well, we, we've got two simple points this evening. And if you haven't noticed, we have been including our sermon points as best we can on page 9 there in your bulletins. And so, uh, the points, I think, are pretty straightforward this evening. Uh, we're going to look at obedient children and reasonable parents. Obedient children and reasonable parents. And we will, I would encourage you right from the get-go as we've done with the last two passages. Uh, there is a companion passage as it were to our text this evening in Ephesians 5, there towards the end through the first few verses of Ephesians 6. We will be hopping back and forth because these were circular letters. Uh, they were intended to be read, both of them in the same churches likely, and they speak to many of the same things. They definitely don't disagree. And what you'll find is what Paul gives us here in Colossians 3, he gives us pretty much verbatim in Ephesians 5 and 6, but just a little more fully. So probably keep your one finger here in Colossians and one in Ephesians. But we read in Colossians 3 verse 20, Paul writes telling us, Children, 
Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And if you were to look and turn probably just a couple pages over to Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, we find it a little more fully that Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so we'll notice under each of our two main points, we'll have three sub-points as it were. If our bulletin wasn't already uh, as thick as it was, I would have included the sub-points, but, but alas, I think they'll be easy enough uh, to remember. And so on each of our main points, we'll have three sub-points as it were. And under this first heading of obedient children, I want us to notice three things. Three things here under our first point. One, that children are addressed directly. Children are addressed directly. Secondly, that Paul has commanded them to obey in everything. And third and finally, Paul gives us three reasons for their obedience. And so children are addressed directly. They're commanded to obey in everything And Paul, being the good preacher that he is, gives us three reasons for that obedience. And so first, the children are addressed directly. You'll find in Colossians 3.20 that Paul doesn't say, Parents, make your children obey in everything. Paul doesn't just talk to the grown-ups here about their kids, does he? No, he talks directly to the children. He talks to the children of the church directly in regards to themselves. And and though we might not think, I think, much of that today, uh, 2,000 years removed from Paul's day, in Paul's day, I I would hope that you would understand that this was somewhat of a revolutionary thing to do. Not even a century ago in our own nation, this Victorian concept of children are to be seen, not heard, was rampant. There are still many places on earth that you can go where children are seen as not much more than a piece of property. Where the main benefits in having children is understood to be the free labor that they offer. Or even here in our own country, the United States, many view children as just a tax incentive. It is altogether too common to forget that children are also made in the Imago Dei. That they too are made in the image of God and are them, themselves in possession of a soul and a will and a mind and a heart and should be treated and spoken to accordingly. We have the Apostle Paul here under the divine inspiration of God's Holy Spirit doing this some two millennia ago, long before it was considered a norm. And so he commands the children directly. Paul, you could see it like this, is respecting Christian children enough to give them the responsibility of choosing to submit to their parents in obedience and honor. He could have just as well instructed the parents on what to make their children do, but instead he he talks to the children directly. And so I would desire this evening to do a a little bit of what the apostle has done, And I would encourage us as as a church, I think we already do a good job of this, but to to continue doing it, to grow in it all the more. And to see our children the way that Paul does here at New Covenant Presbyterian Church. 
And so I would like for our, our children, not just the ones gathered here this evening, but, but all of our children, whether it be uh, mine in diapers or whether it be the teenagers and the college students even that we have, uh, we should as a church long to make it known to our children, whether it be through the preaching of the word or the conversations that we have, that God's word is just as much for you, just as much for the children of New Covenant as it is for the adults. That the preaching of the word, that the studying of God's word, that these ordinary means of grace belong just as much to our children as it does to us. These sermons, our Sunday mornings, are just as much for the children as they are for us. And so, we read the verses. And as we read the verses, I would encourage you, most of our children aren't as young as mine, but some are. This is an opportunity I think we have upon reflection of God's word uh, to ask ourselves the question uh, again and a, and a new time. Are we doing church in such a way that we include our children? Are we doing family worship in such a way consistently that our children are hearing the word? Uh, that it's not just parents once removed from the children, uh, God speaking to the parents and then parents giving a watered down version of the children. Paul here speaks through God's word directly to the children. This, everything that we do, is just as much for our children as it is for us. That is why we include children here at our church. You're aware of many churches, sadly, these days that the moment the service starts, they send their children to a separate building to have what's called children's church. This modern evangelical notion that we see rampant in our culture as though God's word... The preaching of God's word, the singing of God's songs, the praying of God's prayers is somehow over their heads. We expect them to learn algebra and chemistry and AP lit and all of these other things, these expectations that we readily throw on them. And then when it comes to God's word and God's worship, too many send them off to do something else, to play games, to watch a video. We don't do that here at New Covenant. And this is part of the reason. We don't just send them away. We don't just separate them into a separate room away from the body of Christ. We understand here at New Covenant that our children are just as much a part of the visible church of this covenant community of the body as their parents are. And so first, the children are spoken to directly. We don't want to just skim past that. And secondly, we notice here that the, they are commanded to obey, sorry kids, not in some things, but in everything. Obey your parents in everything. I know this is probably any youth group's favorite passage of Scripture to study. What does God's Word say that a Christian child is to do? What does the Bible tell us in chapter 3, verse 20? Children, obey your parents in everything. This is one of those many aspects of God's Word where it's not difficult at all to understand, right? It's very clear. It's a lot harder to do. And so children... God wants you to listen to him and to obey him. And to listen to your parents and to obey them. Consider this. We looked at this aspect a little bit when we looked at the role of the wife and of the husband. These are all aspects of the Christian sanctification. And it's no different here. That when parents tell their children to do something, God says they're supposed to do it. Even if it's not fun, even if they don't like it, even if it's not cool, even if they don't agree, God's word commands children to obey their parents. 
Not just in some things, but in everything. This is God's order. This is God's design for the Christian household. And thirdly, we'll notice here that Paul gives us, gives you children, three reasons for that obedience. Three reasons for that obedience. We see some of them here in Colossians. We see all of them in Ephesians. But the first reason we find for our children's obedience, we see in Ephesians 6, when Paul says that they are to obey their parents in the Lord. In the Lord. We find here in this little phrase that obeying your parents is actually an aspect of your relationship with and obedience to Christ. It's a part of what it means for you to love and to follow the Lord is obeying your parents. Especially for our children that still live at home, who are, who are still under their parents' roofs, as it were. Obedience to your parents is one of the most clear and common signs and fruits that God has given you to show your love, not just for your parents, but for Christ. It is the most clear and common opportunity that your children have, that children that you have, to show not just that you love and obey your parents, but that you love and obey King Jesus. In fact, our children, the main opportunity that they have been given to follow Jesus and to obey Jesus, the main daily opportunity, children, that you have to live out your faith and serve God's kingdom is to obey your parents. Now, that's not very flashy. That might not sound very fun, but it's what God has given you. Like, similarly to how we talked about with husbands loving your wives and wives submitting to your husbands. You'll find that this is, these relationships that Paul is outlining, giving us here in Colossians chapter 3 and in Ephesians 5 and 6, these are probably in day-to-day life from the vast majority of us going to be the most common, repeatable ways that we show our sanctification in Christ. Obeying your parents' children is a vital part of what it looks like for Christian children to be in the Lord. As hard as it may be to do sometimes, if you love and trust in Christ... If you're in the Lord, you will want to do what Jesus has told you to do. Remember, Jesus commanded all of us, told all of us, what? If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And what has he commanded children but to obey their parents? And so by extension, children, when you obey your parents, you are indeed obeying the Lord. And we understand that all of our children, we are are good Presbyterians here. We understand that all of our children, having been born to Christian parents, are born as a part of what we understand to be the visible church, the outward physical display of the covenant community. But we don't presume that they've been regenerated just because the water has been sprinkled upon them. God doesn't automatically convey regeneration in that moment that the water hits their head. We certainly hope for it. We certainly pray for it. But we don't presume it. And so speaking directly to our children again, let me be clear. You have been commanded to obey your parents in everything, but if you have not been saved, regenerated, born again, filled with God's Holy Spirit, this is going to be very hard, very difficult, I think likely even impossible. So children, if you're not sure that you've been saved, ask your parents. And I would encourage the other parents and grandparents in this room. This is a conversation that I think is not just entrusted to the pastors in your children and grandchildren's churches to have with them. I think the Lord would have you to be burdened with making sure of that as well. When you see your children, when you see your grandchildren, 
in the midst of all the fun and the games and the cartoons, I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, take a moment. Take a moment every chance you get to talk to them about the things of the Lord. To talk to them about the gospel of the grace of King Jesus. Jesus doesn't make a habit of asking us to do things that he isn't either willing to do himself or hasn't already done. Jesus, as a child, was a perfect example of this, of obeying his parents. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, Jesus, at only 12 years old, is at the temple. And his parents arrive and they're worried about what's happened to their kid. A natural feeling, a very natural feeling indeed. I, I, this is a, 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 an illustration that was uh, originally, I don't, I don't think there was any chance of this being in my sermon tonight, but it, it happened to me this evening. I called Carly three times on the way home from church. Usually if I'm here and she hasn't come with us for whatever reason, I always call as soon as I'm getting in the parking lot and leaving to make sure they're okay. The kids love to hear that daddy's coming home. And I called once and she didn't answer. I called twice and she didn't answer. I called three times and she didn't answer. And I wasn't too worried. And then I pulled in through the gate. And as some of you have already been aware, if you've looked at my Facebook, I came through the gate and saw a pack of dogs around my kids' playground equipment in the chicken coop. And the first... Be lying if I said the first thought that came to my mind was not, oh no, the chickens. First thought that came to my mind is, oh my word, this is why Carly didn't answer the phone. Where are my kids? Where's Carly? And so Jesus' parents likely felt some of that same worry, some of that same tension. They knew who Christ was, I think, to some large extent, but Jesus was also still their kid. That, That feeling of losing your child in a public place, they arrive and they're worried. And verse 51 tells us that Christ... Jesus, he went to them, his parents, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Can you contemplate that? The very same Jesus who created them submitted himself to them because they were his parents. So I think there's a simple takeaway. Children, kids of new covenant, if Jesus, the God who created the whole universe, the whole world, if he can obey his parents, certainly we can obey ours. Jesus Christ, being the Son of God, also obeyed His heavenly Father. He didn't just obey the Father sometimes, but all times. He didn't just obey the Father when it was convenient and comfortable for Him. Or when it was enjoyable for Him in the moment. He obeyed His heavenly Father even all the way to His own death. God's Word tells us in Philippians 2.8 that Jesus, being found in human form, humbled Himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even to the death on the cross. Jesus could obey his heavenly Father even when it meant his death. If Jesus could humble himself and do what his Father told him to do, even in that sense, then Christian children, you should and could do the same. And Paul gives you another reason. Paul gives our children another reason of why they should obey their parents in Colossians verse 20 and in verse 1 of the Ephesians passage. Paul writes, children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. And in the other passage, for this is right. So I think this one's pretty straightforward. Kids, you should obey your parents, not just because it's the Christian thing to do, but because it's the right thing to do, and you know it, and everyone knows it. Pastor Brian spoke some extent to it this morning, this idea that no one's going to have an excuse That the unbeliever shows his foolishness by living 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years and determining that, nope, nobody made this. But even in their foolishness, 
You can't go to a country on this planet, interact with a family of any faith or non-faith. You will not find a culture anywhere on this world where people think that it's okay for children to disobey their parents. That is universal. That is the common grace of God writing that law on everyone's hearts. It's not just the Christian thing to do, it's the right thing to do. And Paul gives us a third reason of why children should obey their parents. In Ephesians 6, verses 2 through 3, the Bible tells us, Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul quotes the fifth of the Ten Commandments. And the neat thing about the fifth commandment is it comes with a perk. It comes with a benefit. It's not just a don't do this. It's a do this, and if you do this, look at what you will receive. Those are my favorite kinds of commandments. Right? If I think about my own children, I, not that we always do this. We don't want to set a bad precedent. But we have certainly found that when we do offer a, not just a fear of punishment if they fail to do it, but when we also offer a reward of some sort, they seem to be a lot more ready and willing to do it. And God has been gracious to give us that in the fifth commandment. So Paul tells us that Christian children, you are to obey your parents, not only because it's the Christian thing to do, and not only because it's the right thing to do, but because ordinarily, your life will be better when you do it. And I think this is a fairly standard biblical principle. That when Christians obey God's word, when we submit to the reign of King Jesus and do what he has told us to do, we will live a happier, more fulfilled life, generally speaking. It's true for us, and it's true for our Christian children. And that's not saying, kids, that if you obey your parents, you'll get a Corvette for your first car, or whatever car it is you long for. For me, it was a Jeep. I had to work a few more years and buy that myself. It didn't work out that way. Maybe I just didn't obey them well enough. I don't know. It's not saying that if you obey your parents, you'll get everything you want whenever you want. What it is saying... Children, is that when you obey your parents, especially when it's hard, especially when it's difficult, especially when it means you're not in the moment getting what you want, that you will, as you look at your life as a whole, live a better life, a longer life, actually, if you look at what God tells us in the fifth commandment. So Christian, though we may suffer, though we may endure hardship, and even loss of life and limb as we look to the lives of the apostles and so many of our Christian brothers and sisters that have come before us. Obedience to King Jesus is the only way to a life of true joy. And that applies to children and their obedience to their parents as well. The Proverbs are chock full of this truth. If you read through the Proverbs, you can really summarize the Proverbs with a, with a few uh, uh, general statements. Children obey your parents. Uh, men watch out for certain women and be careful with your words and money. And this is one of those right here. We read in the Proverbs in chapter 4, verse 10, Hear my son, and accept my words, so that the years of your life may be many. In chapter 3, verse 2, we read, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and the years of life and peace, they will add to you. Proverbs 10, 27, A truth for all Christians, not just our children, that the fear of the Lord prolongs life. But the years of the wicked will be short. I would love one day to turn onto one of these health infomercials. Especially now on Instagram and Facebook, there's about a billion different health social media influencers. And they're always, especially at the beginning of the year, giving you uh, the 10 steps to a healthier life in 2023. Or the, the nine ways that 
uh, you can go about your day that will make you feel better and live longer and happier. I would love just once to turn to one of those and find this one included, but I know it's not going to happen. Obey your parents. That this is one of the main ways that we read repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated in God's word, both Old and New Testament. That if you want to add years to your life, do this. Honor your mother and your father. So children, obey your parents because it's the Christian thing to do, because it's the right thing to do, and because generally speaking, your life will be better when you do it. So, as we transition to our second point, children, if you felt picked on, mothers and fathers, we're about to have the attention turned to us. Paul tells us in verse 21, looking at our second point, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And there's again here three things, three components that I want us to draw our attention to in this verse. First, that fathers are addressed specifically. Secondly, I want us to notice the negative prohibition, don't provoke. And third and finally, I want us to notice the positive command given in the passage in Ephesians to bring up. And so first, consider with me that fathers here are addressed specifically. And so I want to get out of the way first what, what, what the takeaway is not from this. Uh, mothers, sorry to let you down. This is not giving you leeway and free range to provoke your children. I'm sorry. That's not what the passage is doing. And it's also not saying that moms don't help raise their children. In fact, if your family is anything like mine, I'll just give Carly credit where credit's due. Uh, most of our mothers spend way more time with their children than the fathers do for a variety of reasons. So that, that, neither of those is what the point is here that Paul is directing fathers specifically what this is conveying for us, though, is that fathers are, in fact, the primary leaders in the home. Fathers are to be the primary spiritual leaders in the household. And we can think of it like this. Fathers, we have been called to be not the thermometer, but the thermostat of our home. The difference is pretty important there. A thermometer merely reflects the temperature around it, where the thermostat sets the temperature. And we as fathers are called to be the thermostat, not the thermometer of our home. We as fathers are to set the spiritual temperature of our household, so to speak. And so fathers, Paul addresses specifically and directly here. Secondly, let us consider the negative prohibition. Paul says, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. The word here in the Greek, erethizo, can be translated as don't irritate them, don't exasperate them. We find here that the Father's authority has been granted to him by God and thereby has been limited by God for God's purposes and in God's ways. It's very similar to what we looked at as we regarded the role of the wife in being submissive to her husband. It's in the Lord. There are limits. There are reins that have been placed on this. It is for a purpose. This relationship between parent and child is to be governed much in the same light as the relationship between the husband and the wife in the Lord. Biblical leadership in general, and so we could focus in on biblical parenting here, both are not to be an overbearing, controlling, aggressive dictatorship. Biblical leadership, biblical parenting, biblical fathering has been modeled for us by the suffering servant Christ. And so Paul warns us here. 
That we as fathers, if we're not careful, can discourage our children. Even provoke our children to anger by being too controlling, too overbearing, too over-exasperating in our expectations. We're reminded that we don't have to be a dictator over every tiny aspect. We can provoke our children to anger and discourage them and break their souls, as it were, by having unrealistic expectations on it. Which in the almost dozen different commentaries I looked at, whether old or new, almost everyone was on the same page. That this is really at the heart of what Paul is getting at here. To not over-exasperate them, to not overly discourage them by having unrealistic expectations upon our children. Paul is warning us that if we as fathers are not careful, we'll at best have our children run away from us, and at worst, with too many crushing burdens and expectations of perfection, they might even turn away from the Lord and the faith altogether. F.F. Bruce, in his commentary, writes that if children are exhorted to render obedience, parents, and specifically fathers, are urged not to irritate their children by being so unreasonable in their demands that the children lose heart and come to think that it is useless trying to please their parents. And so, fathers, we lead. Paul has made this abundantly clear, whether it be in the relationship with the wife or in relationships with the children, regardless of how unpolitically correct that is in 2023 in America, this is God's word clear and plain and simple. Fathers are to lead. Fathers are to guide. Fathers set the spiritual temperature in the household. But we must lead like Christ. We lead in gentleness and tenderheartedness. We, we lead in love and compassion and service and sacrifice. Not like a dictator, not aggressively, not with yelling and shouting. We're warned, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them, lest they become discouraged, lest they lose heart, lest their spirits be broken. Sir Robert Anderson wrote, reflecting on this passage, he says... That the precept for children given here is obey your parents. But let, let us parents see to it that we deserve their obedience. And more than this, that we make their obedience easy. And thirdly, we consider the positive command. Paul has commanded us as fathers to bring them up. Bring them up. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is how Paul offers that the Christian father leads. Not an angry provocation, not an overbearing exasperation, but rather by bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And unfortunately, this word discipline, whether we think of it in the aspect of the household or in the context of church discipline, is almost exclusively these days in our culture thought of as a negative thing. Only in a negative connotation, only in a negative aspect. But this isn't really the biblical concept of discipline, or at least it's not the full picture of it. Uh, discipline here, while it certainly can and sometimes does have uh, corrective aspects, it's more so to be understood as formative. Formative. Not only or even primarily corrective discipline, but formative. In fact, many translators argue that it's better translated nurture or train. In fact, discipline here in the Greek, paidera, is the same word Paul uses in 2 Timothy 3.16. When talking to Timothy, it's probably a passage you're all familiar with. Paul says there to Timothy that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. There is certainly a corrective negative aspect to that, but it's also formative. There's also a positive into it. It could be better translated, I would argue, as many do, as nurture. 
And fathers, our primary tool in this discipline, in this nurture, is not our loud voices or even our belts, though there is certainly a time and place for that as we look to God's word. But our primary tool given in this discipline and nurture of our children is God's word and prayer. Much, again, not to cite you too much, Brian, but sometimes the Lord and his grace make sermons work together. Just as Pastor Brian spoke this morning as we think of apologetics, that ultimately it's not upon us. We use God's word, we use prayer, we use the means of grace, and we leave it and trust it to the Lord. In just three and a half years of parenting, I've found that to be much the truth and much the case in parenting. As fathers, our primary tool in the nurture and discipline of our children is God's word and prayer. Not just outward conformity to the rules of those scriptures, but scripture used as a means of grace. Constantly pointing our sons and daughters to the grace and mercy and finished work of Christ on their behalf. Praying all the time for God to sanctify them through it. And so fathers, what does that look like? What are some practical ways that we can obey this? I think we could ask ourselves a few questions for reflection. If my job, if the way that God has given me to discipline them is to train them, is to nurture them, is to bring them up, what better way to do that than through consistent day-after-day family worship? Do I lead my family in worship daily in the reading of the Word, in the praying of prayers? My job as a father, your job as a father, our job as fathers is primarily not to make sure our children get good grades or that they go to a good school or that they play the right sports or even that they're happy and satisfied. My primary job as a father and you brothers, your primary jobs as fathers and grandfathers is to teach them and nurture them to live holy lives that glorify God. That's your job. That's my job. That's our job as fathers. And so in closing, we find that God's design for the Christian household is obedient children and reasonable parents. Children, obey your parents in everything because it's the Christian thing to do. It's the right thing to do, and ordinarily you will find that your lives are better when you do it. And fathers, set the spiritual temperature in your home. Be the thermostat, not the thermometer. By not exasperating them with unreasonable demands, but rather by nurturing them and disciplining them in the word and prayer and loving correction. So that you are found to be deserving of their obedience. So that you would find that your children are actually able to gladly, happily, lovingly obey you. Let's go to God in prayer and ask that he would give us exactly that. Obedient children and reasonable, loving parents. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for these means of grace. And fathers, we reflect upon not just the word we've just heard, but the word that we heard from Pastor Brian this morning. We praise you, God, that in your sovereignty and in your power, that it doesn't ultimately depend upon us. Whether we're looking at apologetics, whether we're looking at evangelism, or whether we're looking at the rearing of our children or the loving of our wives. Father, that you, ultimately, it is in your hands. Father, so we pray this evening that you would give us the strength, the obedience, the patience, and the understanding to follow and obey your word as best we can. Not just in submission to your commandments, but God, in the understanding, as we've looked at many times tonight, that our lives truly are, generally speaking, better off as we live according to your word. 
We pray this in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen.